Welcome to the Eat, Slay, Live podcast. And we are the Locksecutioners. We're going to be eating lightning and talking thunder and running right through your ear holes today. Just so by everybody knows out there, I turn my headphones up. I turn Todd's way down so we can really get into this today. <laughs> you turned me way down. I'm not happy with this. Well, I am. <laughs> um so my first question, let's okay. start. Let's get right off the bat. What's okay. up with the Thunderdome? Any any movement? <laughs> um, not still looking, still looking. You know, I, I didn't I didn't say this last time and I should have. I have a great group of people helping me look right now. And I just can I give them a shout out? Can we do shout outs on here? Absolutely. Okay. Uh Don Brown, Brad Wells, Justin Brown, Tom DeClue, Obi-Wan. I got some brain trust. I got some a brain trust there. You put together a committee. You see that? <laughs> they got a committee to get me off the block because I play my music loud and I play it nonstop. That's some Beastie Boys. So smart people surround themselves yeah. with smarter people. Yeah. It's a great well, move. I, I, yes. My, I, smart people surround themselves with smarter people. So I have smart people and then I got the smarter ones. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> yeah. I'm dumb. So yeah, they've been helping me a lot. Anybody uh, else? What's that? Anybody else on the list? Uh, you got them all? Well, don't... I probably missed a few people, but so, yeah, we've been, I mean, looking all over. It's just a matter, you know, I need something simple, you know, a lot of space, four walls, but. You were bragging about going over the first farm or first form. How do, how do, how do you say that? <laughs> first form, yeah. Form, okay. First form, you know. The, I'm so, all yeah, natural, so I, so I don't use stuff, so I don't, I don't know how oh, to pronounce yeah. it. <laughs> so I went over there uh, to their headquarters, and I'll tell you what. Man, the places I can't even I can't do it justice by telling you how badass like it is. Like when I go into a cool restaurant bar, I mean my brain just starts going. Did You're you right. get did you get any yeah, ideas you know, and things you, like that? Well, you know what I'm looking at when I'm going around looking at buildings. I'm looking at these old ass pole barns and garages, like, oh, we can make it work. The grittier the better. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then <laughs> and then so I got over there, it changed my mindset a little bit. I mean, it's more than just the gym. That's where they have their headquarters. They have podcast studios in there. They have like a giant auditorium. Are we, move, are we well, moving hey, our podcast? Hey, bud. <laughs> uh, out of your office into a real studio. <laughs> um, you know, they have an auditorium. That's where their distribution center is. It just, I mean, the gym is like one eighth of what they have in there. I was just, I was blown away by the whole thing. And I can't even do it justice by talking about it. So I left there. I was like, you know, do I want to get grittier? Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, maybe. So Maybe I need to clean my act up. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Um, but no, obviously not something like that, but you know, I, I, I've been wanting to start a lot of like, you know, like a men's group and different, like I'm doing this thing with like that win the day that I've made videos about on here, you know? Yeah. And I would love to start groups, you know, accountability groups when we have meetings and, you know, once a week, once, once every two weeks. And I'd love to have like a little conference room or, or something like that. So I've kind of put in that, that kind of got in the back of my mind after going over there and seeing that and kind of. What a, what about anything like membership wise where you actually have a, what, what do you think you'll get into having a weight room or cardio room where people can actually, you got someone working the front desk and people can come and work out all the time. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's always kind of been a dream. I don't want to, I don't want our main, uh, thing that we do being memberships. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I still like our groups just, you know, that's where that, that kind of sets us apart from everyone. But I would like to have an area just set aside for work, you know, like our regulars can come and on their own and work out, you know, because, um, you know, like when it's our business plan, when I'm not there, 
we're not making any money. Yeah. And you know, that's not a great business plan. No. <laughs> you know, and so, um, like I said, don't want to turn it into a total membership gym, so to speak, but just kind of a small area where we could, our, our members, our regulars that come to circuit and do my weightlifting groups, they could use it, you know, whenever they wanted. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's definitely on my mind, but at this point, I'll just take a building. <laughs> you know, what's what's the countdown? We're July, right? Which, you got okay, till July don't, to don't get out. Don't listen, man. I'm, I'm already having sleepless nights. Okay, I'm already having. Already? Sleep. I don't need you. <laughs> yes, already. Yes, because <laughs> somebody's like, oh, you could build a pole barn. I'm like, well, how long does it take to build a pole barn? Well, uh, I don't know, eight months. Well, I got my four. <laughs> you know, we'll so, have to get you connected with Wendell Yates. Yeah, there we we'll go. Throw that thing up shout out to rcs construction so you so let's get to you the uh i i stepped over a lot of construction on the way here i was you didn't step on a nail did you no i didn't um if i did my lawyer would already contacted you <laughs> uh place is looking great thanks looking man great so what do we got we're, when we we're when we inching closer we're um uh, we're probably within a week or very close to it Woo. i would yeah yeah. So we're the, we're we're right there. So we got the band. We got a band. We got a band booked for February twenty sixth and twenty seventh and twenty seventh. Yeah. Shout out to Ty for his or brother Ty for his birthday. Well, he said he's going to be out of town. I got him a band for his birthday, <laughs> and he's not even going to be here. Well, but it's not Michael <laughs> Scott from Nashville. He's not coming. <laughs> so this this week, um, last week we were closed. Last week was a lot of the big things: walls going down, holes put into the to the side of the building. Um, this week will be a lot more detail stuff trim and paint and i, I don't so. know if i've said it on here before but the brick front just it, it's like someone picked up uh, uh a bar restaurant out of st louis or edwardsville or something like that you know and set it in the middle of bethalto you know what i'm saying it just it, it just looks out of place but it looks it, great you know and so we've always needed something like that it's real scary getting into and and you have all these ideas and you, you can put them on paper and then once it's actually now where it is now, like I'm starting to get super excited. Like mm -hmm. I went through the sleepless nights about things working out. Right. And now it's, it's there. And like, I'm excited. Like, I'm like, this is fucking cool. Like, yeah. this is going to be great. This is going to be awesome. Yeah. So I hope, so, I hope people show up. I hope people show up. I don't know Gosh. if they will. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows if they will. I got this really cool place. And, uh, <laughs> you know what? Listen, you're you're always on here busting my balls about things, like making me say things I don't want to. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think it's it's my turn. And and, and people think people probably think you and I have hours of like prep time for this and we meet prior to it. And I haven't we, seen you in weeks. <laughs> we really haven't. <laughs> we, we talked you, you you text me and said, Could you get me a coffee today? And that's that was a like, I called you beforehand today. Hey, do we got anything we need to talk about? Nope. Okay. See you. No, you bit. said are we still on for oh, one o'clock? Right. <laughs> But anyway, you got, hey, you got some news, don't you? Don't you have some news to, to throw out there? I or, just did. No, no, We're no, opening no, up no, here no, in a, hey, within a week. No, no, no. I know. <laughs> I know. You, shut up. <laughs> I know that I'm going to get in trouble for putting this out there. And I know you're going to get in more trouble for letting me put it out there. I'm but, not letting you do anything. Well, I, I, we can't edit this. So once I say it, it's going to be recorded and the world's going to know. So <laughs> do you want me to... Do you want me to say it or do you want to? Which which is it? You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, you sent the group text to my wife. And she told she, me not to. So <laughs> I'm well, not saying here, nothing. Here, how about I do it? I'm just I here's what you know what? This has nothing to do with you, to be honest, okay? Okay. I would just like to reveal to the world, to our millions of listeners out there, that I am going to be an Uncle T again. <laughs> Right there. Yeah, this, yeah, has, yeah, this 
nothing to do with you and you and Don Ross. This this is about me being an uncle again. Okay, uh, you guys don't shoot. have to tell your news about Don being pregnant if you don't want to. Okay. Okay. But I, I want the world to know that I'm going to be an uncle again. Okay. So. Okay. You, you keep your news till whenever you feel free. We want to talk about it. How's that? <laughs> I'm glad this isn't live. Or, or Donnie B would have just kicked that door in right yes, now she and beat me senseless. Good luck, Todd. Hey, uh, one, one last thing. I got to give another shout out. It's like it's International Week here today, International Day. We have a we have a uh, international hand. What is that? I mean, she is a green card carrying uh, American. Now, anyway, but we have a listener in Poland, Ross, who I'm going to give a shout out to. Okay, Whoa. if I don't mess her name up, Agata Bogush from Poland. She was in the United States as an all pair. I met her. She was worked for uh, Amy Garrett, and so she sent me a message like, "I just love you guys as podcast." Blah 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 blah. Talking about how good I am. She share she, it. Tell she, your friends. She says you need to do some work on your stuff, but she's <laughs> telling me how good. So I thought, you know what? I'm giving her a shout out. I she's love in it. Poland right now, locked down, but there you go. When, when, when we make our international goosh. tour, we will stop in Poland. We will make a stop in Poland. Absolutely. <laughs> and we will stop and see Agata. <laughs> so we do have a guest here who we have not even let say a word. She's kind of being the anti-Brent Hawkins right now and not talking. Well, you had, to get, you had to get all those words out from not saying much last <laughs> well, time. Well, yeah. I, here's the thing. We have Hawkins in. He doesn't shut up for two straight hours. You he know, and dominated. Like, and I, you and I got done. I was like, you know, he didn't really let us talk. That podcast probably sucked. We didn't get to <laughs> say much our fans are going to be pissed what do we get all these messages saying how that was the best podcast we've ever done i'm like well we didn't get to talk and they're kind of like uh, that's the point idiots <laughs> so i mean the people they don't want us ross they the don't want, have spoken they have spoken and they don't want they, us to speak they like our friends better <laughs> they they yes they've spoken and they don't want us to be speaking so that's that's what we got so yes we have a guest in here Friend of mine, friend of mine, you guys have never met, didn't even know each other's name until we got in here. It's Carolina. Carolina. <laughs> Zavashute. I nailed it, Ross. I nailed it. Booyah. Booyah. I am so well spoken. So, hello, Carolina. Hi, guys. Welcome to the show. Nice to meet you, Ross. Thanks for coming. You're very welcome. Thank you for inviting me. She is from Lithuania. Now, her and I met, I think, 2017. Is that right? Mm-hmm. 2017. I did that uh, Baton Memorial Death March out in the uh, White Sands Missile Range in New Mexico. And so that's when you care. Like it's like a You million. guys met in New Mexico. Yes. But she lives in St. Louis. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, Just, wow. Yeah, randomly. So... We meet there. Uh, now, the, the, the Baton Memorial Death March is this, this it's honoring the Baton uh, Death March over in World War II. Mm-hmm. World War II. And uh, and Todd being the big vet that he is, I can understand why he'd be there. You're welcome for your freedom, Ross. Mm-hmm. Um, and so <laughs> we, you, you carry a rock and you, you walk this through the desert and up the mountains and blah, blah. It's, it's hell. It sucks. And then there's also people there. And it's a lot of military people carrying these rucks around. And then you have some people there running a marathon at the same time. Okay. So, and you're walking through and you're carrying all this weight on your back and your feet are killing. You're like, oh, this is terrible. And then you got these marathon runners not carrying any weight. They're in there just t-shirts and little shorty shorts, just running by it, just buzzing by, <laughs> like looking good. You know, they got, they, they got their little drinks in their hands and goop <laughs> taking that, what is that goop stuff? And, you know, they're just buzzing. I'm like, I, I would kill one of those 
them. I'll trip them up. <laughs> and so anyway, we're at the end of the whole thing. We're ha- you know, you, they give you a comp- couple complimentary beers, and we're sitting there having them. And then I don't know. She was close and and starts talking about. And I, I, you didn't even carry any weight. By the time they finished, I was able to go to the hotel, shower, eat, change my clothes, <laughs> rest, and come back. <laughs> <laughs> okay we like it better when you don't speak <laughs> no i like it a lot better when you speak so her and i just kind of became became instant friends there and the funny thing is so she goes back the next year does the ruck part carries oh. f- i carried 41 pounds she goes back and carries 51 no no pounds. no 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 no. you're missing some story there well i'm not sure but. well when you finish it you were sitting there half dead um <laughs> And trying to eat, and I came back from the hotel, collect all my people because we were doing have uh, heavy duty too, which is carrying that heavy weight at least thirty pounds. So I come back, and uh, you know, everyone is finishing half dead, and I'm here just kind of ready to drink. Fine, you know, like, and uh, I came across Todd, and that's how we kind of met. Um, we had mutual people there. And he just looked at me sitting there, you know, big tattoo guy, like uh, big man on campus. <coughs> and he just looked at me and he's like, well, that was kind of cheating. Oh. And I'm like, what did you say to me? <laughs> what did you say to me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I said it again after that. <laughs> I don't know if I repeated myself. Uh, so I kind of took like a challenge and I'm like, next year I'm coming back and I'm beating your ass. So she carried 10 more pounds than I could. What do you weigh? Did Todd show so up? So next year I go back and Todd nearly is found. So he didn't come back, okay? And I'm like, yeah. Uh, so he bailed on a challenge. So I'm still waiting for that uh, revenge. Um, but instead, I still carry more pounds than he did. It was 51 pounds. And I finished, I think, in eight hours, like 40 or 50 minutes, which I think it was faster than his time. So I actually don't know my time. I really don't. I will look it up just to make sure <laughs> we have that <laughs> emphasized. We, we need that info. Yes, we do. Yes. I'm sorry we don't have it on hand right now. <laughs> but how, how much do you weigh? 115. 115 and carried 51 pounds. <laughs> and all I could think is just like about Todd and how much uh, I'm kicking his how ass. I, I'm like, who cute. is <laughs> funnier? <laughs> <laughs> were you were you dead afterwards like him no i was fine actually well, i thought you yeah i went back to the hotel you were eight you know and i, I i'm t- i'm fine like things like, like that don't make me you know soft or tired so i'm cool anyway it just kind of seems like you're bragging right now. <laughs> anyway so i'm glad we could get that story out of the way so you grew up in lithuania yes okay. that's correct and being the arrogant Americans that we are, we know very little about Lithuania, right, Roz? I, I think I can I, speak for the locksecutioners here that you I can. don't know much about Lithuania. Nothing. Or, as arrogant Americans, we don't know much about any other countries, to be honest with is, you. Uh, is, is Tony Kukoc from there? Croatia, Roz. Cro- Damn Croatia. It. Damn, she doesn't even know who that is. Oh. No, I don't. <laughs> So t- tell it, what, what was like, what, what's it like growing up in Lithuania? Well, Lithuania is located between Russia and Poland. Um, it's a very small country, three million people. Um, we were part of Soviet Union before 1991. So it's kind of 10, 20 years behind the uh, United States, you know, 
technology-wise development. Oh, at it's, least it's probably a hundred no, years. No, 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 no. Now, yes, now we are fine since we became a part of European Union. But then I was growing up, it was a little bit different. But in the next, in the last ten years, things really changed. I would not be able to survive there because it's really all you know, European Union, all new stuff. But when I was growing up, it wasn't like that. Um, I was first generation as independent. Um, we became independent as a country. We became independent from Russia in 1991. And I was born, you know, a week or two prior, we became independent. So I kind of was like a first generation of being independent. Um, and uh, that's when things really started switching on a mindset, on people, that old school mentality. Because before that, it was constantly, you know, we were occupied by Russia, we were occupied by Germany since World War II, several times by each side, because we are right in the middle there. So I can say that our culture and country itself has just really been damaged by all that back and forth occupations yeah. and all the killing and all the, you know, enforced um, government power. Now, now, what your you know I, I know this, but what your parents do? They they. Uh, my parents kind of did a lot of stuff. Um, so growing up, they had their own business, mm -hmm. um, local markets. They had like their own spots as a farmer markets, and they used to sell fish, fresh fish. So you used to go to Baltic Sea overnight, buy fish by tons. Uh, from the big ships and come back distributing their spots at the local markets like here's the same would be like a uh, farmer markets and that's it so we used to sell for most of my life till I was my maybe 12 and then I believe around that time we became European Union and that's when things and the regulations start switching and a lot of those local markets really didn't it, it survive from, she suddenly went to grocery stores probably rather than the, than the yeah. fish yeah. yeah. Instead of going buying fresh fish from a market, you were going to a grocery store and getting Pretty much. a package. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and that old school mentality did not survive anymore. Like there was a lot of regulations and rules and laws and that old school people that used to, you know, just um, work based on cash really didn't survive if they were not able to adjust and my parents were not able to adjust to that changes and the things start going south and we lost money we lost business and they kind of start, just start picking jobs you know my mom started working at the grocery store and my dad started driving bus and from that was kind of it what happened to what was the final straw that happened in the country to to get it independent from who, whoever, what side was holding it at the time? So I think people itself really became um, the point where it was no longer wanted to depend on our country. And what actually yesterday was a day, uh, January 13, then January 13, not February 13, sorry, a month ago, uh, January 13, that's when uh, people start uh, standing up and really lining up to protect their country as we want to be independent because we were an independent country. And uh, people became, um, uh, how to say it, uh, they stand against power, against government, police. And a lot of people were killed, a lot of civilians were killed. Actually, my dad wanted to go to that uh, whatever... Um, Uprising? Yes. But my mom didn't let me to go because I was, my mom was pregnant and I was doing two weeks. So my mom didn't let him to go because of that, because she was very, very pregnant. 
But after a month, as in so many people were killed, we became independent um, in the February, uh, February 16, I think. Yes, we became as independent country February 16. So, so it's uh, over a month of fighting. Yes, yes. And there was a lot of people that were killed by tanks. Man, it was nasty stuff. Like nothing pretty was there. It's like, but after that, I think Russia decided to let us go. And I, I really don't know the details, which I should maybe. What kind of government do you guys have in place? Now we have democ- democratic okay. uh, government. So we have president and... Uh, get the vote and everything yes absolutely yeah now did did you work in the did they have the fish market when you were born yeah Yeah. so 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 did you were you part of did you work with them what (laughs) yeah i was that little girl running around you know the farmer market everyone knew me uh I was always there. It's some, you know, we had really cold winters. I mean, now it's like what negative uh, sixteen. That used to be every winter like this. It for us is normal and six feet of snow. Um, so so I used Todd to, bundled up over here like yeah, the lumberjack. He's, he, he, he's, he's my fragile soft, flower, huh? you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's my <laughs> fragile one. I'm your fragile one. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm your fragile. <laughs> Well, we're going to talk about that hiking and how you <laughs> tried to bail from mud. Anyway, um, so uh, so you worked in the fish market with them? Yeah, yeah. yeah I was always yeah, there, you know, interacting with people. I always was like a social butterfly running around and didn't want to be leave, left behind. And, you know, people used to come and say, what is that little girl? I want to be served by her, you know, and stuff. <laughs> so I always was around people growing up, for sure. Yeah. Um, what was what was it like for you going? What, what was at the house, what, what was it like at your house? Um, so even Tom, my parents, you know, had their own business and did as much as we can. They were pretty successful overall based on a business. It's just, I think what really set them to fail was they didn't know how to manage money. And the money was mismanaged in the family because we had a lot of alcohol issues. Um, we don't know anything about alcohol issues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had a lot of alcohol issues, a lot of abuse. Um, my dad had uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. That at that time, nobody knew, nobody, you know, in Lithuania, it's just now really things become, you know, PTSD, you know, it's a thing. But growing up, we didn't know that thing. So my parents had their own story and traumas, and uh, it wasn't pretty. Uh, growing up in a household, it was really a lot of... It's like it was a war zone, to be honest. And uh, sometimes, you know, when you wish that two people would not be together, um, my two parents, I wish they would have not met, to be honest, because it was um, nasty stuff. Yeah. yeah. A lot of fighting. And a lot of fighting, a lot of abuse, physical, emotional. I was um, just with each other. Yes. Yeah. Uh, my mom was uh, abusive toward me uh, emotionally a lot. Um my dad i was a daddy's girl um so my dad constantly tried to protect me and that's how we got in fight and my dad used to beat my mom physically and my mom used to fight back so when i say a war zone i mean i really mean a war zone there was like a blood on the walls you know broken windows broken glasses phones constantly are throwing in the walls like they had to replace phones constantly because <laughs> it just First, I don't know what's up, but first thing when we start fighting, they throw the phone. <laughs> Here comes the phone. <laughs> so we had a lot of broken phones in the house. I mean, yeah. So I mean, now how is it over there? Was I mean, the cops getting like here that happens? You, I mean, the cops are involved right away. I mean, so you know, um, in East Europe back 
when I was growing up, there was quite often this environment in a household. Um, a lot of families were like that, but I don't want to say it was normal, but it was common that alcohol use, um, abuse. And I used to call cops a lot. We used to call cops a couple times a week. A um, couple times a week? You yeah. Call cops? Yeah. And a lot of times my dad used to be taking away, you know, overnight. And in the morning he comes back and there is a silent treatment for weeks. Nobody talks and freaking blood is on the walls, pretending that nothing happened. So no one washed the blood off the walls? No, just, no. no, yeah, <laughs> well, so, yeah. It's a reminder. I guess it was probably, you See know. See what I, I did to you last time? Bitch, I ain't washing <laughs> off, bitch, I ain't washing <laughs> off either. So the and blood's then, on like, the wall. You know, now it's kind of, like, I, I was traumatized big time. And I had, you know, severe depression when, you know, we're going to get to that. But, like, um, it was normal at the time. But... I was really traumatized and yeah. the damage that was done to children, that's why I was like those two people, you know, when sometimes people are in those abusive environments and wives and we say, well, I don't want to leave for kids, you know, my husband mm -hmm. is abused. Oh my gosh, it's like the best gift. I wish we would have divorced, separated because the trauma that we loved to me from their, you know, relationship is there with me for the rest of my life. Wow. Uh, now you have an older sister. Much yes. Much different than them laying you on the top of a hood and just spraying you with beer. beer right. To, correct. You know, <laughs> a lot different. Yeah. Soft. And, and you know, it's like yes, I have an older sister, seven years old, and she's here. She lives half mile from me. Um, she came here first. Um, she left when I was ten. She came to the United States. Yes. For, you were ten, and she left and came to the United States. Yes. Now, um, how was how was that her leaving, and you're in this sort of as you say, uh, war zone. I think, yeah. So I think that's when I really got traumatized uh, because my sister was, so she raised me. Um, my, you know, my parents used to work day and night. That night we used to go get that fish from the sea. Um, so we used to drive overnight, come back in the morning, drop the fish to their, uh, you know, spots and, you know, then start drinking and pretty much every day is the same. So my sister was my mama bear, you know, she, she, she Sorry. She raised me and uh, I always was attached to her. We don't have a sister a sister relationship. We have more like mother sister relationship. And she left when I was 10, but before so she you left, felt like your mom was sort of oh, leaving you. Protect, did I, she protect yes, you from a lot of the I still remember sobbing at the airport looking her airplane um taking off and I think that's when my life really changed because she was my protector she always was there she always was separating my parents you know so kind of the referee for the fight yes all the time so when she left I had to go there and separate them and uh, that was very very traumatic for me what was her decision what what played into her decision to, to come it's because the, the house is well, a goddamn war that, zone <laughs> but school did she, what did she come over yes. here so she was she was a nerd in the family, um, and I always been reminded by that. Um, yes, the I'm nerd. Oh my She's gosh, nerdier yes. than you. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, she. So our high school had a contract with Amsel um, at that time that we would provide opportunity or invitation to come to study abroad if we wanna, and that was um, you know offered for the best students in that high school, and my sister was very nerdy so she got that invitation but to be invited is not enough you have to collect money you have to have money to come here you know people think that you know people come here and we just um can start you know you have to have money to come to start school so anyway 
uh, she and her best friend got invited, but her best friend did not have money to come. Um, my parents didn't have money, but my, you know, as much as we grew up in that um, environment, they wanted for us the best. So my parents borrow a lot of money. We put in a bank account um, just to show, you know, print the bank statements that we have money to come here. And she was sent here. So your parents paid for it? Yes, we borrow money uh, to well, help her to come here. And I actually kind of know this story. Now, you they, you didn't have to... I don't think they used, They got the money to send her. What did... the was America had to see that you had like $50,000 in the bank. So what they would do is they'd borrow the money, mm-hmm. put it in the bank, and whoever checked that would see, okay, they have $50,000 in the bank. Yeah. And then like, okay, you're allowed over. And then you'd give the money back. Gotcha. So pretty much was the idea when you come here as an international student, um, you have to have one year of tuition payment in the house, uh, house, whatever you call when you live on campus. Um, the dorms. Yes. So that's around thirty, forty thousand dollars per year, you know. So pretty much you have to have money in a bank account to cover that first year of living. It doesn't matter that you're not going to live on a dorm. It's just you have to show that you would be okay here for one year. And whatever it happened after, um, they don't care. <laughs> <laughs> they want. Sounds like a money maker for the school. Yeah. They get you over here. Right. Exactly. Yeah, and you know, and you know, we showed those bank statements, you know, and then we took money out and distribute to whoever we borrow. And my sister came here, and uh, she started Amsel, and she really struggled here. She, you know, when I came here, I have her. Like she bought my ticket to come here, which I gave her money back. But when she came, she really knew nobody. Like, when I came here, I stayed at her house. You know, she now, already was married. Now let's let's get to that. So you, so she, she leaves, and then you're you're there for the next eight years, mm-hmm. eight years mm-hmm. living with your parents or whatever. Um, what what was your first move out of high school then? Like, where did you, where did you go? Did you come straight? Like, as soon as you graduated, kind of what your sister like, I'm getting the hell out of this place. Yes, yeah, so there's blood on the walls. There was no way to for me to stay at home or in Lithuania. It you know. We don't leave our homes because um, we have a good life. Usually people leave from those countries because they really have a hard life and they want to have a um, better life. I left. I knew I'm going to leave my home because nothing was pretty there. It no, was, what, what age were you when the, when the I'm sorry, to, I'm kind of rewinding. What age were you when kind of when the fish, the fish business went under your mom, your mom uh, got a job? That, can, that was right after my sister left. So things really, really got bad when my sister left immediately after that. Nothing was, we were not going up for life. Uh, my, when my sister left, that's when really shit that, really stopped going and, south. And the fish business went under? Yeah, the fish was going under. My parents started drinking more. There was more abuse, more fights. Um, it just got worse and worse and worse and worse. And, and I was involved in all those fights. And to be honest, like... I know you talk, talk a lot about like, you know, how these kids are soft and they don't know what hard life is. And I, growing up, I always thought, you know, I want a better life. I will never going to let my kids to see that. But I do want to have them hard life, but I don't wish anyone to see that abuse. Like, I don't think so. Any, any human being should see, you know, what I saw. No kid should see the abuse and violence that I saw growing up. Was there, was it? financial struggles after the fish yeah, business yeah yeah we lost all the money you know and drinking didn't help 
Um, and as I said, we really mismanaged money, and you know, we lived without electricity. I was lived doing, without electricity. Yeah, and we were. Do, I was doing homework by the candlelight. So I used to come back home, and I either have to do homework immediately, or I will have to do by the um, candle. But in winter time, it gets dark by three o'clock there. So by the time I get home, it's already dark. So I had to do homework by the. How, how old are you now? Uh, I just turned thirty. You're young. I don't. Know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, all my life I was waiting for my thirties. I have to say, since I probably was fifteen or sixteen, I always had image of that thirty-year-old woman. Um, I think um, as you are know, you. Are you that woman? I am almost there. Yes. <laughs> I'm maybe ninety percent where I want to be. <laughs> so, at that point, so you graduate. 18 and then what's your first move you know you have so to get out of that i didn't even finish high school when i left lithuania i left was still being in high school um as soon as i turned 18 i left and i went to england and i worked there on a farm to make money a farm um, yes i worked i worked on a farm uh pig farm <laughs> pig pig farm yeah in a country and what, what did you what did you do Okay, so I helped. So there was like a farm. We raised pigs, and then they have a shop, and uh, we have a butcher there, and we we sell pork. But they had the slaughterhouse, and then they yeah, they, they, yeah, and also Todd we knows used to go. That. Yeah, 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 and we used to go to those uh, farmer markets in England three, four times a week. And I used to go with them and I used to sell that meat and my English was horrible. I didn't even know how I make it through. You know, I hardly, when I came here after that, I hardly could say hi. I have no idea how I did that. But the life there was really hard because I was working my ass off. I, you know, I was carrying heavy boxes. I ruined my back, you know, and just was really cold washing the dirty boxes so you washing out the blood? And yeah, yeah. Todd also grew up on a pig farm. <laughs> yeah, he no looks joke. like he really struggled. <laughs> I no, he grew up on a pig farm. I, I did. I did. He yes. fed the pigs every morning for I, school. I, I he did, did all that. I did. No, he is, rode with dad, our dad, to take the pigs to the slaughterhouse. He did this shit. I, I love those pigs. <laughs> I love those did, pigs. Did you ride on them? Anyway, so you're clean, like cleaning at the like you're spraying out the blood and guts. And yeah, and I kind of was. Well, I went there with my then current boyfriend <laughs> that um so you know when you say you become like almost you follow the pattern that you come from mm -hmm. so my first little relationship was really tragic oh my god i'm glad i made it healthy and uh, um so is he a drinker or? oh he actually was a drug addict and mm. uh, yeah he was a drug addict and i tried to help him of course to recover i never used drugs but he almost, he almost was abusing me. So I started dating him when I was like 16 or 17. And for me, it was normal. That was my comfort zone. So he was abusing me at first emotionally. And then he started abusing me physically. So there was a lot of abuse going on in my family and then in my relationship. So to be honest, just that the fact that I made it through and, you know, um, I was able to unwire myself from that unhealthy environment. For me, it's like the best, the best gift that I can ask in my life. So didn't keep the cycle going. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. It took a lot of awareness, a lot of healing, a lot of reading, a lot of therapy to really unwire myself, and you know, not to become my parents' way. And because that comfort zone of abuse 
and manipulation it's kind of still there you know it's like i feel like every time i have to find boundaries and if i you know meet someone or even people like for me it's really easy to let disrespect myself so i have to constantly say hey no this is my boundary and you're not gonna talk to me because for me that's kind of okay with you know because i was always treated that mm-hmm. way you know my mom always was calling me names and how stupid i was and so for me that's kind of my comfort zone so it's a very dangerous line wow. it, good for you for seeing that yeah you know? um so pig farm what how does america come into play what when when do we start heading over here yeah so i was in that relationship and we left because i wanted to help him to stop using drugs you know me savior i am um i'm a savior so people that likes to save other people you're yeah. really the ones that get really messed up in life and uh, anyway he started abusing me more and more the violence just got increased and um, he started beating me before when he was beating me at first he was beating me like everywhere where nobody could see it mm-hmm. And eventually it just got worse and worse and worse. And you know, he, you know, he started using drugs again and I was called stupid because I'm making stuff up and I'm sure a lot of people can relate and they come from those environments. That's kind of that very common manipulation and I was in that. And uh, several times he beat me so hard that I had like black bruises everywhere in my body. And I remember one time he lifted me from a bed and threw me in a wall and he said, and I was, I was beaten because I said, we have to end this relationship. It's not healthy anymore. So he started threatening me, you know, it's like, if you're going to leave me, I will break your legs because you can't stay here, you know, but anyway. And I remember one time he beat me so hard and I said, I cannot do this anymore because if I will stay, he going to throw me like this in the wall and I will get brain damage. He's going to kick in my head and I will be dead potato for the rest of my life. You know, it's like, that's it. And I'm like, no, this is not okay. I have to get out. So the next day I go to my work and I told my boss and my boss was actually at the time he was recovered drug addict and he was clean for 10, 15 years. He was like cocaine addict. He was like a heavy one. So he knew all that game. And he's like, they called me KK at the time. And it's like, KK, I will help you. You know, it's going to be like this. And we set a plan to run away from him while he was at work. So the next day he left to work and I pack and my boss came, pick me up. Then he left and uh, he drove me away and I stayed at the farm from then on. But my anxiety and uh, depression really was bad because he was stalking me. He was trying to find me and there was police involved, but I left right before the court date because mm-hmm. I, I, I just wanted to leave. You know, I wanted to leave. I, it, was, it was really bad and I was alone. I was very lonely, depressed, um, and I knew I need to leave. So I came back to Lithuania for a couple months and my sister said, come here for a month for Christmas. And she's in America. Yes. yes. So I used to, I, I came already for her wedding, you know, in 2016 or 2017. And so she's like, come here for a wedding, for a Christmas. Uh, my oldest niece was already two years old, I believe. And I haven't met her, you know, so, and my nephew was just born. So I was like, yes. But I had that gap for two months. So I went to Lithuania after I left England. I literally ran away from there. And when I say ran away, I mean I ran away. And I go to Lithuania for a couple months. And I was hiding constantly because I was afraid he's going to come and find me. uh, Because he threatened me big time. So nobody knew I was in Lithuania. Um, 
I was waiting to come here, but I didn't have any plan after. I came here uh, on Christmas. I stayed here for a month, and I had no plan. I graduated high school remotely. I went back to, for exams, and I didn't have any plans. So I knew I'm coming here for a month, but after that, I had no plan. And I remember I already packed here to leave after a month of being here. And my, my sister knew that I'm like in a bad spot. I have no plan. You know, she's already married. She already graduated. Second kid, you know. And she, we, I remember I already packed to back, go back to Lithuania. And we were sitting on a couch. And she says, how about you just stay here and start school? You know, it's like if you have no other plans, like you could work, you know, clean houses and start college. And uh, that was. And how uh, old are you at that point? I was eight or 19 I was probably turning just 19 so that was like my life savior and we tried to switch visas because I came here on a tourist visa and then I had to switch for a student visa you know they rejected me I had to go back to Lithuania exchange visas there is so much immigration you were, involved. You were here got sent back yes uh, because I was on a you I was on a tourist visa when I came to visit mm-hmm. her but to start school, you have to be on different visa. And we tried to exchange while I was here, but you can't. You have to leave country, go to United States Embassy, exchange visa, pay a little bit more money to them, <laughs> and come back. Yes. So you come. So did you know English when you came over here? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. So um, you started college when you came over here. Yeah, and I started college. How do you start college? <laughs> I know. I knew English, and I was terrible. <laughs> Yeah, it was very bumpy start. Uh, I remember I took psychology class. I took criminal psychology. Okay. Um, I have undergrad in psychology, so I'm really, really passionate about that science. Where did you go to school? I started at St. Charles Community College. Then I transferred to SIUE. So I I finished my undergrad at SIUE, and now I am enrolled in master's at Lindenwood. And I love SIUE, uh, but... Go Cougars. Oh, man. <laughs> Ross played basketball there for a little bit. That school has my loyalty for life, but it was too far for me to start my master's degree in there because I used to drive for my undergrad from St. Charles all the way there, and I commute for several years. I just couldn't do that for my master's degree. It was just too much, so, so I had to pick Lindenwood. You're going to college. You're going to regular... Like, you're going... To, like, your professor is speaking English, and you don't know English. How does that work? Exactly. That's how it worked. <laughs> it, you know what? Actually, the professor probably sounded the same to her as he did to me when he was speaking. And me. Yep. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> she was probably awake, though. So, you know, I overall, I had good experience of, you know, I love St. Charles coming to college. Um, big shout out to them. But I had to take a lot of... Um, uh, English classes and I took several psych- you know psychology class I took criminal justice class and I used to come back home and I used to highlight every word in a book and translate in Lithuanian so I could actually understand what was talking in the class because I have no idea what so happened highlight in the class. every word and you look up every mm-hmm. word <laughs> wow yeah I, I still have first book that I was highlighted because I was looking at professor I'm like mm-hmm, all scared and that's when I first time realized one thing that stuck with me for the rest of my life actually it's still there um I, I took Four classes. I had to be full-time student, and uh, I took psychology class. I took I can't recall what other classes were, but I also took criminal justice class. I should have never done that. And my professor was it was just too hard vocabulary for me, right? So I learned English as I went with class by class. That's how I kind of build my vocabulary. And the criminal justice professor was an old cop, and he was about to retire. For, you know, he was just doing part-time 
uh, teaching. And I tried to say something. And when you don't know English, you're embarrassed to talk. Um, and it's kind of, it goes through stages of it, learning new language. And you talk, and I tried to say something because I was finally like, uh, trying something, you know, to participate instead of being quiet and just, uh, you know. Um, and I, he looked at me and he's like, what? What? What did you say? And my other classmates kind of repeated what I said to him. And that stuck with me because he understood me. But he pretended he did not. Oh, wow. So he was sarcastic. Yeah. What? Pretty much what you're doing here, you know? So that's, I think, for the rest of my life was like, it's a good reminder when people don't want me to understand it. No matter how good I'm going to speak, they just don't like immigrants. And I, his, his face expression, his body movements, always, it's just stuck with me. And I can recognize every human being that come to me and they don't want to understand me. You know, like, it's just there. I know exactly who just does not want to understand me. So it kind of hurt my feelings. But I have those, you know, it's fair. <laughs> makes makes her tougher. Look at it. She's soft. soft You're so soft. Tough. <laughs> soft. Tough. Um, so now let's get into your running a little bit. Okay. Now we, I've talked. We've talked about this. So you've ran a hundred mile race. Mm -hmm. You're currently training for a two hundred mile race. Uh yeah. Yeah. So when when did you pick <laughs> a two? Ross, I asked her. I said. Yeah. So she tells me she's going to do this two hundred mile race. I said, well, what, how, when, how long does it take to finish that? When do you want to finish it? And she's like, probably about 80 hours, give or take 20. So it'll either be 80 hours, it might be 60, or it might be 100. So basically, give or take a day. So what, when did you, what point did you get into running? I, so when I came here uh, for the first three, four years, all I did is was worked and school. Now, where did you work? I cleaned houses. Clean, clean people's houses? Yes, and I started with one house. I started with my sister's mother-in-law house, and I started, you know, when sister's-in-law house, and I kind of built, build, 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 build. And all I was doing is going to school and cleaning houses, and that's it. Like, I had... Did you have a college life, or what did you... No, no, that was not a thing. Like, and then I was babysitting on Friday and Saturday night. So I was working from Monday to Sunday 24-7 and going to school. So I didn't have life. It was really just on that constant survival mode. And um, at maybe when I was 22, 23, I, I hit depression. And it's just because I think my lifestyle piled up. I start asking, you know, those questions. Why did it happen to me? Uh, what happened? Then I start reflecting on my childhood. That's when everything started hitting me. Just everything at once. And I got severe depression. Um, my, I didn't, so my sister is, um, she's a really, really strong woman and she's a huge role, role model in my life. And I always go to her for support. And, um, I remember I was crying. So when I get depressed, um, I just cry. I have no reason. I just don't want to be where I am now. And I remember I was crying at her house and she keeps telling me, just get busy. And that's what we always do, you know, to, to brush it up, just <laughs> get <familiar>. busy, right? <laughs> it's like, and we always said that, just get busy. You have too much time, right? To cry, <laughs> suck it up. But, but the crying didn't um, end it. And I lost a lot of weight. I was severely underweight and I, I looked sick. It wasn't anymore like how I felt. I looked really, really sick. And I'm not much, you know, I'm 5'4 and uh, 
I was under 100 pounds. Um, then I don't know how I ended up going to a doctor. And, you know, I was diagnosed with um, clinical depression. And I was putting on medications. I was putting on Prozac. And man, that really messed my head because I was too little, like physically, to take that medicine. I was high. Like I was literally high. I was laying in a bed for two weeks, going to the bathroom and holding walls because I was high. I couldn't walk straight. Wow. I called my doctor and I said, I can't, no, take me off of the stuff. It's no, because I, I'm very against alcohol and drugs just because, right? I had yeah. that, you know, sometimes you either um, turn into your parents or you completely turn opposite way. And I don't do drugs or I don't do a lot of alcohol. It's just, it's not as associating with me. Well, drugs, yeah, but like alcohol, some people drink to relax, you know, have a good time. For me, it's just a piling anxiety when I even in drinking environments. So... I started having depression and I got under control eventually. I started taking medicine, you know, therapy. And at that time, that's when my sister realized that the depression is a real thing. Like we no longer were making fun in our family about depressions. Before it's like, just get busy, you know, like you have too much free time. But you really thought that was a damage of a childhood. And she's very tough woman but I am very emotional I'm a family baby and um, I saw that mm. um, so it really affected me more maybe than her or she's better at just coping and shutting those emotions but I was not able to shut those emotions so um, then I got that depression under control I started reflecting that I have no life like, I have no life. Um, all I do is just work in school and then constant survival mode. And um, so, and the other thing is, like, I was not able to take student loans, right? Because I'm an international student. So I had to make that money. There is no other option. There is no mom and dad. I have to make for my health insurance, for my car insurance, to pay for my car. Everything is on me. So there is no mama that's going to come and save you. Um, I had a really great supportive family here and they really were supportive, but I had to work for it. Were you still living with your sister? Yes. Uh, for I lived with her for a couple of years, I think. And then I moved out to her family member. Um, I call him grandpa, my sisters, my brother-in-law grandpa. He was like my grandpa. Like they really treated me nice. Uh, my sister's mother-in-law, she's like my mom, American mom, I call her. So they were really supportive, but they really had a hard time helping me because I didn't let people to help me. Yeah, I was like on such a like survival mode that they tried to help me, but I was like, I didn't want to take anything because I felt like I, I owned them something. And to be honest, like I even hurt my grandpa's feelings several times because he generally tried to help me and I'm like an animal. It's like, no, 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 you know, so... Um, I learned, they taught me eventually how to take, you know, help from your family and that family is there to help you and love you unconditionally. But it took me a lot of years to learn that. So back to the depression, when I got my depression back under control, I was trying to see who I am, like who I am as a human being. What is my identity? You know, I'm just working and going to school. And then I was like, I'm going for a run, like right around neighborhood. I have no idea how. I just, just decided just, one day I'm just, I'm just gonna run. Literally. Easy force gump. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember I ran maybe 200 feet and it was the hardest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> and Sounds then, about right. Yeah. 
and then I saw my community college where it was like live, run, laugh. I think now it became um, eat, slay, live. Pretty much, right? <laughs> yeah. it, it was my. It was first five k, but now I think it's eighties run, like colorful eighties run. But before that, it was live run, laugh, or something like that, based on community college. And that was in 2014, I believe. So I signed it because um, I was like, well, something is there. I had no idea what running is. I had no idea what 5K was, nothing. So I went and ran that 5K or three miles and around St. Charles Community College. And there is like a smallest hill over there. And I remember I had to run it twice. And it was the hardest thing I ever done. And I, then, I doubt that. But. Oh, man, that hill <laughs> felt like uh, nothing I ever done before. It was really hard. And I remember running and walking and almost crying. But when I finished that feeling, I really liked it. And I remember I placed like fourth in my age group, which at the time I had no idea what those rewards are. So it was really new to me. And then I finished it and I didn't run again for six months. Kind of never clicked to me and nothing. It's just I moved on. And then I got back again. And then I met a couple people that were running. It's like, hey, how about you sign for that hot chocolate thing? And I'm like, what is that hot chocolate? It's like 15K. That was in 215. So I did that and I really liked it. And then I'm like, how about I will buy running shoes? (laughs) 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 And then I signed for my first half marathon. And and it's funny because my first half marathon was in the Rocky Mountains in Colorado. It was one of the national parks, right? So yeah. And All in. There, there's plenty of them around here. You know, you have to go to the Rockies <laughs> to do so that. So another thing is that I always, I am, my mind is more advanced than my, my physical uh, abilities. So I'm like, well, why did you here? Let's do something harder. And I did that half marathon in the mountains and I really liked it. And I signed for a first marathon then. And I did my first marathon in uh, 216 December. That was St. Jude. And at the time, I met road, run, uh, road warriors in Illinois. Oh, that, that's a running group. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And I used to run with them. I used to drive from St. Charles and run them. And they really hooked me up. And a couple of runners, you know, encouraged me to run that marathon. And I was training with them. And I said, I asked just one thing for my friend that was running with me. She's, he's still great role model to me. And he's like, I said, can you help me to pull my first marathon under four hours? And it's like, Roger that. So I finished in three hours, 58 minutes and 58 seconds. Wow. And it was hard, man. Uh, I had a panic attack, maybe 300 feet before finish. <laughs> And I couldn't breathe. I was having a panic attack. And you know why? Because I couldn't see the finish line. It was right around the corner. But it's anxiety that takes over you that you're like, I can't breathe. Like, I can't. I can't do anymore. Yeah. So it was fun. And I got hooked. I really liked the feeling. And it also took an edge from me emotionally. So, you know, I mean, runners are all crazy. They're all yeah. running from something. I mean, yes let's be real. And no. So there is a couple of things. <laughs> all yes. Then I, <laughs> so when I was running roads, you know, that year, in two, so I finished my first marathon in 216 December. In 217, I did seven marathons. And um, so, I, hold on, 216, you did seven marathons? Yes, okay. within a year. 
and I was like running, running, and I'm like, man, I'm just one more. Like it's mm-hmm. one more. And when I met trail running group, and after I ran my first half marathon on the trails, I never got back to the roads, and I became trail runner. And when you start hanging out with trail runners, we kind of dangerous to you because they put all kind of crazy ideas in your head. So, yeah, you know, I start training for f- my first ultra was 50 miler and um, I didn't finish. I dropped by mile 36 because it was flat. And I realized that flats is not my thing. So I started going to the mountains and running like crazy altitude runs because I'm just better at those rough conditions. And, you know, during physical, not physical therapy, sorry, during um, therapy sessions, you know, I I have to be with my, you know, therapist um, because I'm still healing to some extent. And I did tremendous work. So for me, running became as my... Uh, meditation it's active meditation and what I realized I used to be very like emotional roller coaster with my emotions and running helped me to take that away like I'm more it's not like I was crazy well maybe <clears throat> but <clears throat> I, <laughs> I'm more like emotionally stable right. through my life now because running take those emotions because when you run those long distances you experience so many ups and downs that's when I let my crazy out and and you know one thing, and this is something we've harped on here before, is that if people would use like health and fitness and eating better and physical activity, they could cure so many like things mm-hmm. that are wrong with them. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Instead of going and taking a pill, if they would try yep. to just live a better, I mean, people instead of trying to get healthier, they just run off to a doctor and get pills and things like that instead yeah. of turning to like natural medicine. So like what I, you know, when I so. We build a huge trail running community here in St. Louis. And um, the one thing in trail running community, a lot of people that come to trails, they have a story. Something is there, right? There is like uh, recovery from addictions, lost children. There is always something there. And what we are learning more and more that there's a lot of alcohol uh, recovery people there. But I always say this, if you're escape is fitness or running or healthy you're doing okay you're doing okay you know because some people turn into drugs and to be honest with people it's like oh you're just running and replacing one pain from another but it's like yeah but we're not going to be perfect you know so if that's your only obsession and addiction you go with it because we're not going to be perfect we you know it's not like oh just do a lot of therapy and try everything to do perfect everything is in balance and life is good well life doesn't work that way how we look at it at east live is um spend more money buy these pills spend more (laughs) money on insurance spend more money at a doctor's office and a therapist and said you could go run for free Mm mm-hmm but I mean, you know, the whole world now is like, yeah. oh, it's, there's always a way to fix it with pay yeah. me and I can mm-hmm. fix your problems. Yeah. Like, and we have that mentality. And, you know, as much as we see a lot of people turning into exercise, we are not there yet. And the more you sit, the more you're going to hurt, you know. So when people say, oh, I can't do exercise, I can't go around the block, I'm hurting. Well, you're hurting more from sitting more. Yeah. So, you know, the beginning, it's going to be bumpy, but you have to lift your ass and move. And after a week, you're going to hurt less, you know, from sitting because sitting hurts you more. Your body's not meant to sit. Yeah. 
and that's how I got into 100 Miles. <laughs> <laughs> Great segue. <laughs> now, you did the 100 Miler. That was in Leadville? Yeah, that's I did in Colorado. the Leadville 100 Miler. Um, so, as I said... How I'm, much does that change going out there to to the atmosphere to so Leadville is at ten- altitude yeah. Altitude. Yeah. Altitude. Altitude. Yeah. altitude yeah it's yeah. the same thing I, I got you the atmosphere I think falls into oh okay sorry Ross I he hates you. when I correct him yeah you I, I, I noticed that you're a little bit too mean to your brother so <laughs> thank you you're very welcome I got you um, Leadville is at 10,000 feet so we are at what like 500 feet here in, in Illinois <laughs> Five four hundred feet. Are you asking us? No, I'm telling you. <laughs> good, good. We need we need to be told, not half. Yeah, it, let's see. It's plus minus five hundred feet elevation here in the Midwest, and Leadville is at ten thousand feet. So you start at ten thousand feet, and you run through the mountains, and you reach um, Hope Pass, which is at thirteen, almost fourteen thousand feet. So it's thirteen thousand feet and change, and uh, you run through, and when you turn around, and when you come back, so it's. How do you train for that here? You don't? You do all your training, get out there and just... Well, my maybe mentality is different from other people. I just say just you train, you know, physically as much as you can and then go and suck it up and pull through. I love it. Well, just suck, suck it up, Suck it up. Suck it up. That's I mean, how you train through. If train you are there, it. you know, like I can sit and whine here and say, oh, I don't have opportunities or I have, you know, don't have uh, trails or altitude to run. I can sit here and find all the excuses, you know, to, but if you set your mindset, you're going to make it to work. Yeah. You know, I did a lot of hills. I run in the woods constantly and uh, you just make it to work. It's just like, I think you kind of put big no to yourself in your head before all the, you know, um, advantages that you have. So Instead of saying... Instead of saying why you can do it, people yeah. want to say why they can't do it yeah. first. You I know, guess. it's like make it to work. And uh, I finished my hundred miles. And how long? How long does that take? Twenty nine hours. Twenty nine. Oh. Is that just m- miserable pain the whole time? I mean, I was hurting. Are your feet just hamburger? No, right my feet were fine. My muscles were hurting. I think I was more hurting emotionally. So. I finished like around nine o'clock in the morning, but I, w- I was running all night and I didn't realize, but I cried all night. I cried for seven hours <laughs> from two o'clock in the morning to like six o'clock in the morning. I, I once cried for seven hours, but I was watching a Hallmark marathon on TV. <laughs> and my friend was pacing me. And to be honest, I got the buckle. So when you finish 100 miles or ultra, you get buckle. It's not medals, a buckle. And it's a big deal to get that buckle because you have to finish under 30 hours if you don't finish in 30 hours you don't get the buckle there was no way you weren't getting that buckle (laughs) there is no way i'm not gonna oh my gosh no i will if i would have to crawl i will crawl but my friend was pacing me through the night and i said the only person that deserves that buckle is him because he listened me crying for seven hours (laughs) i don't wish that to my biggest enemy (laughs) i I need a buckle for listening to ross in here is what Mm. i need okay okay so we're training for 200 now. Yeah. Now, where is that? In Washington State. It's a Bigfoot 200 miles. It's around Sound Helen uh, Volcano. So you go through volcanoes. Yeah, Some... so the thing about this, you're doing 200 miles, but you're not doing it on nice terrain. This oh, is, no, yeah. This is the roughest terrain this that you can find. This is not Forest Park walk. <laughs> <laughs> and you see, that's what I like. It's like I'm not looking for easy stuff. Yeah. I will look. So this 200 miles, what happened is 
I was doing these runs, which I didn't a lot of it by now, but even 100 miles when I signed, I kind of knew it was in my comfort zone. You know, I knew it's going to take long. I knew it's going to hurt. But deep inside, I really, really knew I can do that. But when I finished, I was like, okay, the only way to grow is to do something that you really, really not sure of you can do that. Something that you don't even know you can do that. And I'm like, I watched the documentary on YouTube and I'm like, that's it, man. I'm going for this 200 miles. And it's, it still scares me. We are six months away. Um, and I'm still uh, very puzzled. Oh my gosh, I'm going to be doing 200 miles. Literally 200 miles of it's insane. pure I, suffering. I, I, I get it's pissed insane. if I have to drive 200 miles. <laughs> but she, she wants me to be on her team, Ross, her running team out there yeah you see you like should be <laughs> i mean he would learn a little bit of toughness i think it would be <laughs> a good uh, experience for he him needs some. yeah yeah yeah. i think so too <laughs> but it's it's a learning process and it's really challenging yourself because i i'm a big believer you know the only way to grow is to really step out of your comfort zone you know that comfort zone is always going to be there it's not going anywhere away you can come back anytime you want so might as well just step you know little bit forward and uh, getting that vulnerability and uh, fair right that's been all my life so why not it's two, 200 miles I, I will not be able to get over that but so what's um what's what's your plans for the future where do you see yourself in a year five years ten well you see I have a lot of big changes this uh, year you know I just turned 30 I got green card, so I really just now getting like, I'm just now creating my life plan. Yeah, I've been calling her refugee since I've met her, and I can't do that anymore. She says, "Nope, that's out." Yeah, yep, that's, that's, out. that's it. Yeah, <laughs> I have a huge plans. Uh, you know, I'm 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 in school, I'm working. So, what um, are you getting your master's in? I'm getting in exercise science, uh, human physiology. So it's physical therapy, pretty much kinesiology. I mean, there's, of course, some big things going to happen for you in your life. Go oh, for yeah. what, what are they? What's, what's your plans? Uh, eventually, I want to start my own business, training people, helping to deal with injuries. Um, I have big running plans. Um, 200 miles is just really the beginning. 200 isn't the end game? <laughs> I, I know. Oh. You know, if I you have can do that, you can do more, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> and again, if you would look, it's like, well, who said no? The only person that's going to stop me or the only person that really limits is me, myself. Absolutely. So, Ross, you should give a shot. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> my, 200, my, 200, my marathon of 200 miles is, is something different, I guess. <laughs> I can't, I'm not running more yeah. than two miles. I like, what you, I like what you just did there. Yeah. Yeah. There's always a hope, you know, it's not no, so. Um, so, what, so we always do a little Mount Rushmore here. Now, do you have what, what's your Mount Rushmore of say people that motivate you? Because there's got to be you have to f find ways out there to motivate you. Just from not just like your past experiences. Is there anybody on social media or anything like that that you follow? People that motivate you? Yes. So you know, in the last ten years, I had to do a lot of healing, a lot of recovery, and I, you know, to rewire myself from living just on survival mode to really start living it you know life and enjoying it so mostly i do a lot of motivators online um i really big fan of Brené brown and who is it uh she is um 
fair and vulnerability uh, professor and researcher. So I did a lot of personal healing through her, from her work. She really helped me to cope and um, find different life. I'm also a big fan of Glennon Doyle. So she's also motivator of, you know, woman power and uh, just representing human right not just women but human who are you as a human as a woman finding boundaries and really teaching how to respect yourself you know uh how many do i have to have it <laughs> four uh david goggins he is my big one i feel uh, he comes from the dirt uh he knows what it means to really um now did he do didn't he do the leadville 100 i believe so yes or he was it the did he do the bigfoot 200 also the he recent? did yes and last year i think he did tahoe 240 so yeah he's in there so i know the drill i know why people doing extremes like this you know is that emotional pain you know, I always talk to runners and that comes from good life. You know, those good mom and dad, grandparents going to the games. seems like good life, you know, college. You're not stuff. interested in that shit, are you? And I was like, what is your fuel, man? Like, how you guys pull through those runs? <laughs> you know, like, I know, you know, David Goggins comes from the dirt. You know, I come from the dirt. Like, that's our fuel. You know, that emotional pain that we, you know, experience through life is our fuel for ultra running yeah my, my favorite part about the dave and goggins story if you haven't if you don't know it is you know he does these ultra marathons and you know went through navy seal training and all that but like he was a 100 pound overweight exterminator and one day he's just like you know what i'm gonna join the navy seals i mean he wasn't like some super athlete or anything like that he was just a normal dude that one day like right in the middle of his day he quit being exterminator <laughs> just basically dropped his keys and just stopped like people think of him oh he probably was you know this crazy athlete or anything no he just decided he was going to do it and did it that's he, what i love he about decided him. he was going to turn into a badass just become the i mean right now you baddest guy on the planet you yeah. know what i'm saying as far as so we got one more kz what is it one more you know, I've been really following one guy. Um, his name is Tim Grover. So he's a phys exercise science. Um, is that Michael Jordan's old? Yes. Yeah. Yes. He was on the last dance, wasn't he? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I really like him. I follow his philosophy, you know, and it's again, he really emphasized that relentless, you know, how hungry you are, you know, it's just um, so those three people really play a big, big role in my life and they're really teaching myself to be mentally tough. And that's three. That's four. Four? Okay. Two, two three females and two males. Yes. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Brown, Doyle, Goggins, and Grover. Yeah. So those Grover, are my... I didn't expect that one. No. Yeah, he's <laughs> my man, man. Ross's, Ross's eyes lit up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Ross, I'm, let me tell you two, two kind of funny recent stories about KZ. Uh, first of all, <laughs> she was in the emergency room yesterday. Yeah, I didn't right? sleep last night, <laughs> yeah. man. No she, sleep. She had That's kidney, why she needed kidney. you to pick up her coffee. I didn't sleep on that, uh, Friday night. like Kidney into stones. Went to the emergency room. Ooh. So, Ross, she was in so much pain. Actually, it was yesterday, really, because it was like 3 kidney in the morning. Stone, kidney stones give me nightmares. <laughs> right. I never had them. Same here. <laughs> so, we know what kind of pain tolerance she has. I mean, it's it's miles above ours. I like We're, when doctors say, what is your pain level? I always laugh. I said, you don't understand, man. Like my pain t 
tolerance is a little bit different maybe from a lot of people. <laughs> so the pain that she had to go to the emergency room, yeah. it, you can't even imagine. And here she is to, with us today, which was very impressive. So I don't, I don't, here's another one. So I don't know if it was, I think it was last Saturday. Uh, her and I went out to eat, had Mexican food. Okay. Oh, was this a date? <laughs> no. no yeah, probably I forgot to ask. Is this was a date or no? <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, he picked me up. R- Ross, Ross we, can, Ross, we cannot, we cannot date guests. You know that. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I drop her off at her house over in O'Fallon, and it's about, uh, it's about six thirty p.m. And that's when we had the snow. Was it? Well, so it was well, you dropped her off after dinner at six thirty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You guys ate at like four. Something like that. Okay. Okay. Anyway, stick to the story. Stick to the story. So I drop her off, and it was like last oh, Saturday yeah. when it was started to snow. Yeah. It was like, oh, you know, the roads mm-hmm. gonna get bad. It's gonna be horrible out, and so and it was freezing. So I drop her off, and I'm driving. She lives over in O'Fallon, Missouri. Mm-hmm. So I'm driving back. It's snowing, cold. It's dark. We just ate Mexican, mm-hmm. and so she texts me. A little bit uh, right as I'm pulling the driveway. I seriously, right as I pull in the driveway, she texts me. She said, "Hey, did you make it home okay?" And I and I said, "Yeah." I said, "What are you doing?" She goes, "Oh, I just ran five miles." By the time I had driven back from O'Fallon, she had somehow changed. I mean, I dropped her off. She's in jeans, like you know, jeans yeah. and whatever. It's snowing. It's pitch blackout it's freezing and by the time i drove from o'fallon to my house she had already uh ran five miles and i think she just ate the biggest an enchilada the size of her head at the mexican restaurant <laughs> well i figured I, when you left i'm like i have to do it now i have to change my clothes and get out you know because when you sit at home and warm sometimes you get too soft so i'm like i have to tough can't it up now yeah can't, can't get, get soft, soft. Man. that's what i always say that's wrong. a golden rule <laughs> can't get soft can't get soft so yeah. did i dream this or, or do you do do you two have a an agreement that you guys get married at some point if no, you're not well, married n- at a certain no. i mean i know you're not gonna married at a certain age well i think his facebook people already married us somehow already married i realized you oh, know okay. what if we really would get married we would get married for free man those people we like offered to put they wedding put together on. like we like have to organize i'm like damn <laughs> that's like would be the cheapest wedding ever <laughs> <laughs> anyway you know that you, what ross what you're thinking of is when i whenever uh she was she was very scared about not getting your green card and your brother always was scared of me, man. I don't know why, but I really scare your brother. I have no idea what I did to him, but every time he's around me, I feel like he, he's a fragile flower. He's he's soft, you're hard. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, and I she'd always say, and I said, well, you know, I will wait until your plane to Lithuania sending you back there is about to take off. Like they're gonna say, last last call for boarding to Lithuania. Then I will marry you to get your so you can stay in this country, but not until that that last boarding. And call. I swear. Since I got green card, your brother really, really changed because I think he's like he got relief <laughs> and he's no longer afraid of me. <laughs> because I swear, every time we meet, he's like afraid of me. I can feel that fear. <laughs> well, you gotta have that friend that keeps you on your toes. Absolutely. Right? That keep, you know, if I tell her I'm, I'm gonna, uh, she's like, what'd you, where, what'd you just do? So I took a nap. It's, it's like, uh, yeah, nap. those naps, man, get over it. Like, it's, that's for the lazy. That's for the lazy. Nap, naps are for the lazy. For the soft. Yeah. So yeah. that's an incredible story, right? Incredible story. Yeah. I knew none of it coming in besides that maybe you had a marriage agreement at some point <laughs> or something. Right. <laughs> right. That's all you knew. So, um, 
thank you very much, Casey. We super duper appreciate you coming in, driving all the way over here. Oh, surprise! You, you should have just ran over. That would have made a great. That would have made for great podcast. That would have been. That would, your, God, you run over. You know what? That would have been I, like a. That would have been a little warm up for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is actually just a regular Saturday run. But um, <laughs> I will come back after two hundred miler, and maybe I will run then. Here. There we How about go. That? We will talk about that. Yeah. You, you guys have a date after this, or? I don't no. know. Do you guys? Ross, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you still mad at me for now making the, uh, that I'm going to be an uncle? I'm, I'm not mad at all. You got to worry about Dawn. <laughs> I mean, you sent a group text before we came up here. Hey, can I bring this up? Or I can't wait to bring this up on the mm. air. Dawn kind of laughed about it. And then she's like, no, no, don't <laughs> do that. I haven't told everybody yet. Hey, I totally. I Surprise! Am, <laughs> I am with Todd because I'm a number one auntie, so I know I know yeah, the excitement. See. I would totally do the same thing. My kids what? hate him. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes I see the fear in their faces. <laughs> <laughs> the fear. There. Yeah. <laughs> the whole world. Uh, well, Thank Casey, you, guys. We, yeah, we'll have to get you back in here after do that 200 miles and uh, talk about it. So thank you very Sounds much. Good. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate. So uh, this is Todd and Ross back in here. We're just going to kind of do a little recap of the uh, podcast we just had with Casey. How awesome was that, Ross? Unbelievable. Does it make you feel lazy? Makes me feel soft like you. (laughs) But yeah, lazy, I guess, is the first thing that comes to mind. Right. You know, like I said, her and I met 2017 at that Baton World Death March. And we've just kind of became instant friends since then. We, We try to get together a lot. But then about once a year, we get together and hike. We were actually doing pretty good. We got together like twice this year. But she's like, you know, people say I motivate them because I'm always doing that Facebook. I don't know who says that. Well, uh, that Facebook motivation of yours. But like, uh, she's a person who motivates me. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like, I can see that. Right. When I talk to her, she, you know, you're soft, you're weak. That's all you did. You ran up the hill five times. You're like, (laughs) do you know what I'm saying? So I love her having her in my life and just sort of, she's my sort of motivator and pumper up. Someone who doesn't like know me really from pride or for the Thunderdome and scared that I'm going to yell at them. I'm scared. Like she said, I'm scared of her, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And so that's why I like, and I've heard her story over the years. And so that's why I wanted to get in, get her in here and talk about it. It, you yeah. know and, Just, I, and i love the part because i had no i had, had no, no idea ideas. i mean i met her an hour and 20 minutes ago right um but her talking about like the, the mental abuse of her life mm-hmm. um before she you know before she came over here and going through getting better from that and having to like look at herself in the mirror and, and how am i going to get over this and become the person i want to be you know i think she said when she's 30 right. um I think that's great to hear right? Um, because not everybody's brave enough to share that stuff. Right. That takes a lot of courage. You know, and she's using it as fuel and motivation. Yeah. Where so many people in this world, they play the victim card and they're not where they want to be because of what happened to them. Yeah. She's using it to be where she is now. She's using that as like ammo, as you know, it's you know, as fuel to get her where she wants to be. You know, she's you know, it's her running and just being so successful in that, and just you know, uh, going to school and things like that. She's she's trying to be better. She doesn't fall in that. She could you know start drinking and be like, you know what, I'm you know, I'm I'm an alcoholic, I'm a drug addict because of what I went through, because of you know the the traumatization that I had as a kid and things like that. No, she's not doing that. So to using all her challenges as an excuse, she uses them to be a better person. Exactly. And then we all fall into that trap a little bit of being sort of the victim, you know, but 
but you know, it's great to hear that story and her, you know, overcoming yep. and not falling back into that. So awesome. Great podcast, man. Yep. Great podcast. Once again, people are going to love it. Cause you and I didn't talk very much. <laughs> <laughs> right. When, when, when we were first talking at the beginning, I, I almost warned people, Hey, watch out Todd's going to be jumping in on this story as much as he can because he just has a lot of built up <laughs> words he has to get out well luckily, but I, you take, didn't. luckily you didn't. I take care of that on Facebook so <laughs> well it's great to be back in here brother yes it was um, thanks for everybody joining us this has been the Eat Slay Live podcast and we're the Locksecutioner slay on brother slay on <laughs>